nos disponemos a concentrar todo nuestro delirio hasta la última gota, abasteciendo así todas vuestras perturbadas y aburridas emociones. Luna menguante, jueves 1 de julio de 2021, siglo XXI, Syntax Air para Radio Pica. de Dark Ambient, electrónica experimental y algo de dron. Todo extraído de nuestro propio archivo con mucho amor y respeto. con Suba, un artista emergente del que desconocemos su procedencia, que edita su primer lanzamiento en Etiqueta 4, un sello independiente serbio que promueve a los músicos a través de tarjetas postales, con un código QR en el reverso que enlaza a una página de descarga de singles, EP o álbumes. Este track se llama Jugend.
Povera es el alias de María Rossi. Para los italianos del sur, la cocina povera o cocina pobre es una tradición milenaria en la que no se desperdicia ningún ingrediente. Sin embargo, para los aficionados a la electrónica esotérica tiene un significado diferente. finlandesa afincada en Escocia, María Rossi, ha llegado a ser sinónimo del minimalismo inquietante basado en los sintetizadores en ciertos círculos, al igual que lo es de la minestra de la nonna, en la Toscana rural. Siendo un pilar de Night School Records, María Rossi también ha colaborado con Harold and Els en los sellos Pack y Editions Mego, respectivamente. al sello estadounidense Primordial Boy. Titulado Lume es el cuarto álbum del artista sonoro hasta la fecha, que cruza las fronteras de los géneros en la búsqueda de experiencias sónicas trascendentales. Es un buen aditivo a un catálogo que encuentra su divinidad en el ambiente hipnagógico, las armonías corales y las atmósferas del cuarto mundo. prometen una mezcla de ambient pop y abstracción vanguardista. La artista sonora es seductora en su enfoque onírico y fuera de lo común. Y hoy escogemos este track, que dura nada menos que 20 minutos y tiene por nombre Sinisen Rusun Tapaus. Thank <laughs> you. 
Simon Shrift necesita poca presentación, conocido con alias como Monic, Coop o Future Materials. Es el 50% de Cryptic Minds y regenta el majestuoso sello Osiris Music. Hoy escogemos el track The Space Between Cultures, perteneciente a varios artistas Let Love Decide Parte 1, a través del sello de Birmingham Downwards.
Bond es Nikki Mao, música y productora afincada en Nueva York. Su LP de larga duración Pure Spectre para Dice Records se estrenó en Berlín Atonal 2018, tras el lanzamiento de The Ghost of George Bataille, un álbum en colaboración con Drew McDowell, también conocido como Compuntai o Coil. En 2014 lanzó dos EPs consecutivos, de un Moved Mover, visto como una extensión de su anterior self-titled EP, vislumbraba las facciones y movimientos en la psicología y el alma humana desde una fuente primordial indivisible. Por su parte, su otro álbum, Fallen Angels, es un guiño a Grown Card White. Se inspira en los primeros recuerdos de la infancia de Mao en Hong Kong, reutilizando fragmentos vibrantes del pasado a través de un conjunto desorientador de imágenes sonoras. Siguió esta serie del EP con un álbum completo titulado Love is the Capital en 2017. Escogemos el track B1 llamado Port Gevon de su LP Pure Spenditure planchado por Day Records en su referencia número 121. He was walking to school on October 5th, like thousands of children do every day, just down the street from her home. Something that should be safe, protected. But there was a monster in her path. By his own words, by his deeds, Someone who we know, again from his words and from what was found on his computer, who finds pleasure in things that we find unimaginable, that he finds pleasure in pain, that he masturbates to images of people being dismembered, as he says it, 
dismemberment in a sexual manner. When we talk about his character, his characteristics, that has to be considered, who it is exactly that you have before you. That he saw as he was out looking for children, very clearly from the time record, the, the staggering of the, of the school starts. He waited at home until children would be walking to elementary school before searching for his prey. He saw his prey, Jessica, and parked on the opposite side of the road, somehow knowing that she would cross the street into his path. He waited until she was parallel to his car, opened the door, took one step, grabbed her, and threw her into the car. He had flex ties with her, with him, excuse me, and bound her hands and feet. When she screamed, as her mother had trained her to do, he told her to shut up. She asked if she would ever see her mother again. And this callous young man lied to her, told her that she would. But as he said, he knew she was dead the moment he pulled her into the car. Because that was his plan. Just as he said that was his plan with the jogger. Artista I.O. Interior One. Con el nombre del track A. Sig. Del sello Pressing Problem Productions. Proyecto paralelo, alter ego, de este sello, centrado exclusivamente en su relación personal con los delitos y las víctimas de estos. A continuación se encuentra una entrevista realizada acerca de un asesinato ocurrido en Westminster, Colorado, por un joven de 17 años llamado Austin Sig, el cual arrebató la vida de una niña de 10 años llamada Jessica Ridway. After he took her upstairs, he forced her to take off her clothes, her clothes that he then says he made her put in a backpack, some of her clothes. He then made her dress into a black and white uniform in essence, white shirt, black shorts, as Dr. Salter said, certainly fulfilling some sexual fantasy. He cut her hair. He has her in his room by his own account for an hour and a half to two hours. It's painful to imagine what he did to her in that period of time. We know from the physical evidence he sexually assaulted her. We have the broken blood vessels in her genitalia, the bruise to her hymen, the bruises to her arms, her head, her chipped tooth. By his own statement, he took two zip ties and combined them together, got behind her and started to strangle her. Those ties cut into his hands. He said, I didn't have enough leverage to cut off all of her oxygen. So I then, he says, he then started to use his hands. And he strangled her in his words for a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes, maybe three, to make sure that he was dead. She was dead, I'm sorry. Any claim that this man lacked the executive functioning ability to plan 
to exercise a plan is proved false by what he did, by his actions. He then noticed that she continued to twitch, convulse. So he wasn't done yet. He took this little girl, poured scalding hot water into a bathtub, and because she still showed signs of life, put her face down in scalding hot water. And I don't want to go through all the details that he describes, but how he carefully, methodically dismembered her. Not someone in a panic, not someone behaving impulsively, not someone under pure influence, but someone who is coldly, rationally, and slowly taking her apart piece by piece, cutting her from just below her chest to her abdomen, removing all of her internal organs but her vagina, at some point placing a cross inside her vagina. Things that would make most of us physically sick, he was apparently able to do and to describe with no emotional reaction. And then when he was caught, well, I'm going to jump back to two other things that are, I think, of note. He toys with the police. He puts some things, some of Jessica's belongings, in her backpack. Her clothes, which smell of, which are soaked in urine, giving evidence to the terror of her final hours. Her glasses, clearly a statement to anybody to those who found her items that Jessica was dead. He then took her torso five days later, four days later, and drove some eight miles west and placed her torso on the side of the road near an abandoned uh, concrete building. Esta larga interlocución irá acompañada por ambientes sonoros que hemos elegido para presentarla. Radway desapareció la noche del 5 de octubre en 2012, después de que no regresó a casa de la escuela. Dos días después, su mochila escolar, que contenía sus gafas, fue encontrada en una acera. El 10 de octubre, sus restos desmembrados fueron encontrados en un parque de Arbada. Y luego, cuando fue caught, he said he gave his DNA to the FBI on the 19th of October because he didn't think from his forensics, forensics classes, excuse me, that he had left any DNA. Fortunately for us, he was wrong. He then learned on the 22nd of October, the day before he told his mother what he did, some of what he had, he had done, he learned from the media, and he says that in his interview, that there was a DNA match between the Kettner attack and Jessica's murder. He knew he was caught. He didn't turn himself in in some act of altruism. On the 22nd, he learned they, they've made a DNA, they've made this case on DNA, and I gave them my DNA. 
And he says as much in the interview at page 114, where he said... I had never fully thought, and I had never actually fully planned through what I was going to do with it, what I was going to do, any of that. It just... Well, when you went out that morning, Friday morning, October 5th, which was early in the morning, and you drove over to Jessica's neighborhood, what were you planning on doing that day? Had the attempt of picking up some, um, so any, any female that came across where I was, that didn't matter what time, where, it did just anything. So you were, you were out. Más tarde, en octubre de 2012, Austin Sig confesó haber matado a la niña Jessica. Confesó a la policía que la secuestró mientras caminaba hacia donde había estacionado su jeep. Luego lató las muñecas y los tobillos con bridas y la llevó hasta su casa. Allí la obligó a cambiarse de ropa y a ponerse unos pantalones cortos y una camiseta antes de estrangularla. Desmembrar su cuerpo y esconder sus extremidades y su cabeza en un sótano. Luego abandonó su torso en el parque. I had never even any time that I would even see someone walking while I was out in one of those modes, my heart would just instantly start beating really fast and I just, I couldn't think straight, I just, I don't know. I was that some of the thrill that you got by going out and doing this? Was, was there a thrill aspect to it? I, I've been trying to figure that out. You say in your report that, that his account of what happened is missing pieces, is that right? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. What are some of those pieces? Well, first of all, he said that he had to kill her. He described his motivation as he had no choice, he had to kill her. Then he also said that he was not sexually attracted to her because she was too young. So if he... But the question is, if he didn't, if he didn't kidnap her specifically to kill her or to rape her, he left no motivation for abducting her. What was the point in abducting her in the first place if you weren't sexually aroused by killing her and you weren't sexually aroused by raping her? So he, so he denied any motivation for the attack. He also, uh, we know that he left out any reference to sexual excitement in the killing or dismemberment, and yet we know from what he watched that he masturbated to snuff films and he masturbated to dismemberment. He talks about viewing pornography that has, that shows, he talks himself in the interviews about the fact that he masturbated Según una decisión de la Corte Suprema de 2005, Sig no era elegible para la pena capital porque no tenía 18 años en el momento del crimen. En el caso judicial fue juzgado como adulto. Sig fue condenado a cadena perpetua el 19 de noviembre de 2013. Fue trasladado a una prisión no revelada fuera del Estado para preservar la privacidad y seguridad de su familia to dismemberment in a sexual manner, that is, dismemberment of somebody that was in a sexual manner. Um, what did you make of that statement? Those two things, sex and dismemberment, don't go together for the rest of us. There is no such thing for most of humanity 
as a, a sexualized dismemberment. So what that tells me is that he specifically linked the dismemberment that he was watching to a sexual thrill. Someone by what kind of pornography they watch. And if you look at the, his searches for porn and uh, uh, he searched specifically related to torture. Girl tortured and raped, girl raped after torture, girl screams in pain, torture, girl tortured and raped, triple X, anime torture, cute girl tortured, raped until death, raping and killing. He also uh, had visited uh, websites related to rape and torture. These included ripherup.com, screamincream.com, cruelnetwork.com, hogtide.com, and bestscore.com. In one of your books, you describe a sadistic high that some sadists experience. What is that? Well, I... Uh, also, uh, I have interviewed offenders who have talked about this, and that is that they get a high from torture and the suffering of others. That uh, some of them say laughs is far better than orgasm. Uh, it will last for a significant period of time. Some have said it's better than crack, better than cocaine. They get uh, as I said, a kind of reverse empathy. Instead of feeling badly for the person, they get an adrenaline rush and a personal high from it. Do they frequently refer to it in exactly those terms, as an adrenaline rush? Yes, sir. <coughs> in, in your experience, do some of these offenders, do they describe needing more and more violence to reach that same high? Yes, sir. That's a well-known characteristic of stick offenders uh, is that they habituate to a certain level of pornography or behavior and it no longer works for them so then they get into they seek out more and more violent pornography to to maintain that high that they get and what about their behaviors eventually for for some of them uh, pornography is not enough and their behaviors, they start acting out the behaviors in real life. In your report, you note that uh, Austin Sig said that he felt an adrenaline rush after the Kettner attacked and, and that he described it as overwhelming him and that it overcame his fear. Did that mean anything to you? But that was, is very much in keeping with what I've heard from other sadistic offenders. He talked about it being a physical response, the adrenaline rush that he felt. Again, is that characteristic of the sadist that you've interviewed? That is characteristic of this type of offender. He also says that he thinks that the adrenaline rush may have driven, in essence, all of his hunting for victims. Is that characteristic of this type of offender? Well, yes, people do what is pleasurable for them. They don't do things that make them feel bad. So what he describes is very familiar with to me, which is once having tasted this adrenaline rush, he wants to get have it happen over and over again. And just the fact of anticipation, of fantasy, of hunting, uh, 
and he said, I believe, that it was a uh, perfect word for it. Uh, all, all of that will induce this kind of high. Nos oímos en dos semanas. Adiós. 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 Adiós.